Let's bring it back in. I'm excited to be with you all today, and I'm excited for the next uh, the next few minutes, the next section of the day, what, what it holds for us. Um, because of, we have a, a very special speaker. Uh, if you guys were here last week, you, you heard Vince uh, introduce uh, Todd and Hannah Moore and, uh, and their family. And we as a church are just so glad that they've moved to San Diego and that they've joined in and just hit the ground running um, with, with us and with uh, different families that are part of this church. And uh, I, I particularly am very excited to hear uh, from Todd today. Um, he's been involved in ministry uh, for decades around the world and here in the U.S. Um, back in 2009, when Vince and I first went to a SOMA school in, in Tacoma, Washington, Todd was there making it all happen. And um, we got trained by him way back then. And we've told people over the years that so much of the um, the reasons why New City looks the way it does and emphasizes family and uh, caring for each other and living, living out the gospel is because of how we've been influenced by Soma, and a lot of that came from Todd. And uh, I'm just really glad to have him today. So if we could uh, welcome him for his message. Thank you so much, Todd. Can you hear me? Is this working? Great. So yeah, he said decades, so that does age me a bit. Um, so you can see the gray here, unfortunately, more and more. But um, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, so Kenny comes from the south, as you can tell, with the accent. I come from Illinois. I grew up there, lived in Illinois for first 20-some years of my life. And so I've got a bit of an accent, people say, also. So if you pick up something from the south a bit, it's from central Illinois, Okay. And uh, this is my first time, first time talking here at New City. They said I could talk for as long as I wanted to this morning, so I'm excited about that. Um, so buckle in. Um, we'll try to get out of here by one or so, okay? <laughs> but um, no, I'm excited. Um, as Kenny said, we've been, we've been in a relationship with New City before they were New City, dating back really from the beginning. Um, I don't even know what it was, eight to ten years ago. So it's fun to now live here and be, be part of this, be part of this with you guys and love the city together and um, yeah, be family, be family here. And that's some of what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm going to try to connect some of what Vince talked about a couple weeks ago and what Kenny talked about last week. Hopefully you were here for those or listen to those online, but um, Vince was talking a lot about, about culture and um, what's going on in our culture, and really kind of historically, the church's often failure or weakness in, in engaging culture well. Um, and so I want to, to say a few things about that, and then last week, Kenny was talking about us being salt and light, and so what um, I want to say some more things about what that really looks like for us to practically, specifically be, be salt and light that really influences culture, that really influences the city. So one of the things as I was going back and listening to, to some of what Vince said, um, he was talking about problems, problems in our world, in our city with, uh, with politics and with education and with poverty and with racism and with, with all those kind of um, big things. And as I was listening to that, the big thing that kept ringing in my head was, those are all 
we could call them cultural problems, but ultimately they're spiritual problems. At the root of all those problems are are spiritual issues, our failures to, to have a right understanding of our world and of the God who created our world and the God who engages that world. So they're really not, we shouldn't just call them social problems or cultural problems, but really, really spiritual problems. And so the answer, as we think about some of those things, the answer is not better, better programs or better... Um, better schools or better politicians or better, you know, we, we're always kind of have a tendency to go that direction. But the, the answer we could say to those things are, are transform people. Yeah. That's been God's plan from the very beginning <laughs> is a people, a transform people that are living according to his principles, according to his plan for the world he created. So when we see these problems in our world, it's because we have diverted from his plan in all of these things. So his desire, his desire is to see more transformed people, making more disciples and multiplying more transformed people so that those transformed people have been transformed by Jesus who have a new perspective about life and about politics and about education and about finance, about all those things, so that more and more of those kinds of people will fill all of society. Yeah. And so it's one of the, you know, very popular verses often talked about, often preached on, is Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Well, it's interesting. Jesus says, he doesn't say go and make a few disciples in a few places. He says, go and make disciples of what? The world. He's thinking the whole thing. (laughs) He wants every little part of society, every little part of the world, every school, every neighborhood, um, every government. He wants those aspects of our world to be filled more and more with more disciples, with more people that have been transformed who are new creations. Again, who are living life and thinking about life through his, through, uh, with his perspective. Okay. So that's where we're going to, um, to jump off today. And as we, as we think about that, how, how does this happen? And then practically, what does this mean for us as followers of Jesus? How do we get to participate in this big master plan that God has? The starting point and then the, the, all the points in between and the ending point is always the gospel. Yeah. So that's where I want us to, um, can you put that first slide up here? We believe that these four questions kind of encapsulate the whole Bible, kind of encapsulate kind of the whole thing. So if you want like, <laughs> if you want a summary or if you want the, the Bible in, in, in a nutshell, this is it. The truths that are connected with these four questions. Okay? And so I want to start here because this is going to inform, this informs everything. This doesn't just inform what I'm talking about today. It informs everything. It informs every, every detail of our lives, every choice that we make, every relationship we have. Um, it informs everything. And so I want to encourage you, actually. I don't know how you learn or how you remember things, but these things need to be like burnt 
burnt into your into your brain. Um, um, just just part of how you think and how you live every day. And so every morning, actually, a practical thing you could do doesn't take long at all. 60 seconds. Every morning, literally, answer these questions. Remind yourselves of what is true in light of these questions. When you wake up in the morning, you know, roll over in bed, get out, take a shower, whenever is best for you, but rehearse the realities here. Remind yourself of who God is that he's, he's, he's big and he's powerful, he's great, he's gracious, he's glorious, he's good. Remind yourselves of those things. Remind yourselves of what he's done, what he's done throughout history, what he's done in your life, what he's doing today, what he's doing all over the world. Remind yourselves as you go into your day. Start your day remembering who God is, remembering what he's done. And you see, we, we call that the power of the gospel, because often, um, often when we talk about the gospel, people kind of talk about a half of the gospel, like the, the power of the gospel to save them, okay? So it's gospel power there in those. So what he has done, yes, he has sent Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Um, he has saved us through the work of Jesus on the cross. That is the power of the gospel that saves us, okay? But the second part of the gospel is what sends us then, in a, in a sense, sends us every day to live out his purposes. That's why we call it the purpose of the gospel, okay? Yes, we have been saved by the work of Jesus on the cross for a purpose. Again, we've already talked about the purpose. The, the, the big plan is to, is to make more disciples, make more transformed people that fill more and more places of our world. That is the purpose. That's why you exist, that's why we all exist. We exist for that purpose. So it doesn't matter what your job is or where you live, in those places, in those jobs, in all of that, your purpose is to extend his influence, basically. So that's why this is so important every day as you wake up because you, you'll wake up certain mornings and you don't feel that great and you're not that energized to go to work and you're like, ah, another day of work or um, whatever you're doing that day, you might just not feel super motivated, okay? But in light of this, this is such powerful reminder that every day we wake up has purpose and has big purpose, not a little purpose, so whether you have a day off or going to work or going on vacation, it all has purpose. It's all part of this big plan God has for you, and you get to be part of it. That's another amazing thing. You get to be part of God's big plan, okay, in all the little details of life. So we ask that third question, who, who am I or who are we? Well, we are, his, we are his ambassadors. We are his missionaries. We are his sent ones. That's who all of us are. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter the, the, the details of your personality, any of that. We are all his ambassadors, his missionaries, his sent ones every day all the time, wherever we go. So that's who we are. So then the big question, number four then, is okay, practically, how do I live then as his ambassador? How do I live as a sent one, as a missionary? Okay, when I go to work, or when I go to the park, or when I go to a pub, or when I go to the beach, or wherever I go, how do I go there 
as a missionary, as an ambassador to, to bring his influence to, to fulfill the purpose he's, he's created me to fulfill. Okay, so that's what we really want to, um, to get after today. And um, Kenny, Kenny talked about some of that last week as he was talking about salt and light and what it, what it means for us to, um, to bring some of that influence um, to, our, yeah, to our relationships, to our world, what it, what it means to, bring, to be light in dark places, places that, um, that God has sent us to. Um, so, as I was thinking about how we then learn to live this way, according to this gospel, in light of this gospel, this week I went back and just spent a lot of time just going through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you, don't, if you haven't done that much, I'd encourage you to do it, <laughs> okay? We've got to learn from our Lord. We've got to learn from our King. We've got to learn from the one who was given his life for us, okay? And that is all captured in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John especially. And so went back to those, was just trying to look at big themes and big patterns. And a couple, a couple of the first things that jumped out, um, and I'm going to write some stuff up here. I'm a, I love writing. I love visualizing. And so I don't, hopefully that'll be helpful for you too. But one of the first things that, um, that jumped out is this idea of go, going versus staying. The time that Jesus spent on earth as a person, just like us, and with the disciples, most of their time actually was going places <laughs> and going to people, not staying not staying in comfortable places, not staying, you know, just staying at home, not staying, yeah, but, but really going. And so probably 80% of the time in the Gospels, we see Jesus on the move. We see the disciples on the move. On the move, going to all kinds of places with all kinds of people to, to, to bring influence there, to bring kingdom influence there, to bring gospel influence there. Okay, so that's a big question for us practically, obviously, is what does that look like in our lives? How much do we go to where people are at? Do we pursue where people are at versus just kind of sticking around home or staying where it's safe, staying where, staying where we, feel, we feel comfortable versus going? So go versus stay. And then another big theme I wanted to highlight from looking throughout the Gospels was, and this is just how I, <clears throat> yeah, how it kind of resonated with me was this idea of active versus passive. So as they were going, as they were spending time with people, sometimes large groups of people, sometimes small groups of people, sometimes individuals, they were very active in in how they spent time with people, okay? So we see lots and lots of healing and loving and serving and feeding and clothing and helping and giving and praying and proclaiming, okay? So they didn't just go and kind of hang out with people, okay? Because that can be the tendency I know um, for us at times where we will go 
but then when we go, we don't go with much purpose. We don't go with much, yeah, passion. We don't go with much vision of what could happen as we are with people. We just kind of go and, you know, hang out, hang out with people with, with, without much expectation. But they, everywhere they went, they were going there with, with, with lots, of, <laughs> lots of passion, clear purpose, and were very active as they spent time with people. Okay? So after three and a half years of this, Okay, so Jesus is, Jesus is functioning like this with the disciples for three and a half years. Lots of this going, lots of this healing and, and helping and clothing and feeding and, and all of that. Lots of that happening over three and a half years. I want us to look at a few things he said at the end of this, which has implications, I believe, strong implications for us. Okay, and will help us. So look at this first one in John 17. John 17, 15 through 18, it says, um, again, Jesus is getting ready to die here, basically, okay? And this is actually, he's saying these things, but this is actually a prayer that he's praying for his followers. So we could, in a sense, say it's prayer, prayer for us, because he knew we were coming as his followers. So listen to what he says here. He says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Okay, so very clear. He wants us to be here for a very clear purpose. Okay, once we, once we were saved, once we became Christians, we could have, he just could have zoomed us out of here. Okay, but that's not his plan. His plan, as he says there, is to, for us to be in the world, but he's praying that we will be protected from the evil one. Okay, go on, next verse. So he says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Okay, interesting thought. Go on. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Okay, so he's talking about, again, the importance, the importance of the word in our lives, the importance of this, of the gospel, um, informing everything we do, every aspect of life. So he's saying, um, sorry, can you go back there for a second? Okay, so he's saying, help them to live according to this, not according to any other perspective, any other way, but according to this. And then he says, just as you, just as you send me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Okay? Really want to emphasize, emphasize this today, that he has sent us into the world, into all the places we go, the places we work, the neighborhoods you live, the places you hang out and recreate. He has sent us there with a purpose for, for his purposes. Okay, now I want to go to John 20, and this is after his death, okay, and the resurrection. So interesting, he said that before his death because it was super important. Now he's gonna repeat it basically afterwards and throw in a couple very important extra details that he didn't, didn't say the first time, okay? So that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of their Jewish leaders, okay? So his followers didn't know what was going to happen. Um, they're waiting basically for, you know, for help 
for direction from Jesus. So waiting behind closed doors because of the afraid of the Jewish leaders, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord, okay? So he's, he's come back. He's basically proving, proven his power over death. He's proven his power over sin. He's coming back now, okay? So he's proven, <laughs> he's proven everything I said is true. Just as I said would happen, it's true. I'm back. I'm alive. I'm resurrect, resurrected. I have power over death. I have power over sin. So huge encouragement, right? Huge encouragement after what they've just seen with him dying on the cross. So coming back, he says this, and then he says, again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Okay? There it is again. Said it right before his death, saying it right after his death, but he goes on a couple other things. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Hmm, interesting. Why is that? Why is that important in this whole sending sending challenge he's giving us. Well, it's important because the Spirit is the one that gives us, you and me, just as it did Jesus and the disciples and the early church and the church throughout history, the Spirit is the one that helps us with all this, that helps us at work, helps us at school, helps us in our neighborhood, helps us at home, helps us with our friends, helps us to, to love people well, serve people well, Talk about Jesus with people, okay? Many times the problem is we think it's on us, okay? So when we see, hear this idea of being sent, it actually kind of scares us or discourages us because it's like, man, I can't do that. I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just, a, <laughs> just an average person. I can't, you know, I can't go and make disciples of all nations. That's crazy talk, okay? And we can't. If we think we can, that is crazy talk, okay? But he can because he's given us the spirit to do that with us, do that for us, do that in us, in all of our relationships all the time. So the spirit in all of this is, is central. And so I want to emphasize that. So he goes on from here in John, and we see him getting ready to basically start the church, Okay. We're the church, new city here in San Diego right now, 2,000 years later. But in the book of Acts is when he basically moves this group of disciples out of like apprentice mode to, to really leadership mode. And he basically says, it's time for you guys to lead this thing, okay? I am going away, but I'm leaving my spirit to help you start this God-planned movement, okay? You're going to start the church, you're going to be the church. You're going to be sent throughout the world. So listen to what he says in Acts 1, 4 through 8. You don't have that? Okay. I will get it in here though then. Okay, in Acts 1... Listen to what he tells them again, verses four through eight. So it says, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father. So they're in Jerusalem. It's where all this, you know, 
death and resurrection happen. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. What's, what's that gift? Who's that gift? Holy Spirit, okay? John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, is the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Love that. <laughs> and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so he's basically entrusting this at this point to them and to us. Okay, we're all part of this story. Okay, we're all part of this story that started right then. The things he said to them, he's saying to us. Okay, he has sent us, he's sending us everywhere we go to tell people, to tell people about Jesus. Okay, and then in Acts 2, if you go into the next chapter of Acts, basically, boom, spirit comes powerfully, and basically the church starts and is launched at that point, we see in Acts 2. And that's just awesome throughout the book of Acts, seeing how the spirit leads them and, and helps them as they spread out, and the, the churches begin to be planted, and things grow, and we're the fruit of that today. We're the fruit of that story. We're the fruit of what I just described right there. Okay. So in all of these things, um, I think somebody stole my Kleenexes. It's okay. (laughs) Kleenex, Kleenex thief. That's awesome. You had good reason. Okay, so some practical, I want to give you six practical principles then for what, what I believe this looks like. As we, again, as we looked at Jesus' life, as we looked at the start of the church, as we look at the church throughout the book of Acts and then the church throughout history, some principles we see woven throughout that can help us understand how, how, to, how to be faithful and effective as his ambassadors, as his missionaries, okay? So I've got six principles from, um, from the Gospels, and then I want, to, I want to unpack the last one a little bit more because it seems to be from my experience, um, and this is true pretty much universally around the world as I've traveled, the last one is the hardest thing for most Christians, okay? And I think you'll agree when we get there, <laughs> okay? But the first one... first one is prayer, okay? This whole thing, this whole plan, this whole work is, is, has to be saturated in consistent prayer. So a lot of times I hear people talk, you know, talk about being frustrated with this circumstance or this relationship or this neighbor or things going on and one of our first questions needs to be, how <laughs> are we praying for those things? Are we praying for those people? Are you praying for your coworkers regularly? 
all the people in your office or all the people in your area or all the people you go to school with, uh, are those, are you praying for them? Are you praying for them fairly regularly that, that the gospel would break into their lives, okay? Because it's not going to come from you. Again, it's going to come from the Spirit breaking into their lives, enlightening them, changing their mind, changing their hearts. That's how it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. But what's our role in it? We do play a role in it, for sure, okay? Is to be faithful, committed, consistent in prayer. That's one of the things I'm going to ask you at the very end today is to ask who are those coworkers, classmates, neighbors, people you play soccer with or basketball with, um, you know, down at the rec center, who are those people you need to be praying for regularly? Okay, well, I'll ask it here and I'll ask it at the end again, okay? So who, give you a couple seconds, who are those people? Just a starting point that you think you should be praying for regularly. Coworkers, neighbors, classmates, people you get coffee with. Who are those people you need to commit more to in prayer, to see their lives transformed, to see them become one of those transformed people that begin to live their lives to make disciples? Okay. Second thing connected to that <clears throat> okay spirit dependence i've already kind of highlighted this but this all needs to be with him in partnership with him even knowing what i just asked you even knowing so asking the spirit who who should i even be praying for who should i be spending more time with who should i be loving serving um, who, so even asking him who, who that should be and then how, okay? Sometime I hope I can do a little teaching around the role of the Holy Spirit in all of this um, because it, it's very clear and very powerful when you look at the work of the Spirit in Jesus' life, which people are like, what do you mean? Jesus didn't need the Spirit. Everything Jesus did was with the help of the Spirit, which you, if you're looking for it, you'll see it throughout the Gospels. Then in the early church, throughout the book of Acts, everything they did again and again with the help of the Spirit. Not them with some great strategy or some great plan, but it says with the help of the Spirit, they went here. With the help of the Spirit, they healed there. With the help of the Spirit, they taught that. And so again and again and again and again with the help of the Spirit, okay? So that is why he has been given to us. One of his names actually is the helper, okay? And so help with what? Help with this. <laughs> to help us daily, all day, throughout the day, be faithful and fruitful, living out God's purposes as we do these things, okay? So we see that clearly Next one. Proximity. I call it a proximity and pursuit. Again, this is the going. I've already said this. 
But we see this, we see this again throughout Jesus' life, throughout the early church, throughout the church, throughout history. Um, when the church has grown and been influential and has seen lives change, they have been a, they have been a going people. They've been a pursuing people, pursuing people, going, getting in close proximity. Kenny talked about salt. Salt can't influence from a distance. (laughs) Salt influences when? When it's on top, when it's poured on top, when it lands on top right there. It has to be in the immediate vicinity. (laughs) And so if we're going to bring gospel influence into our relationships, into the lives of people, we've got to to pursue closely. We've got to be with them closely. Okay. What else was true of Jesus and the disciples and is essential for us? This fourth one is is a compelling lifestyle. There was uh, people people were attracted to Jesus, and they were attracted to the disciples, and they were attracted to the early church, and they were attracted again when the church was powerful throughout history to the quality of life that they lived and the quality of relationships that they had, the love they had between each other, the sacrifice they made for each other, the compassion they demonstrated, the generosity they demonstrated. There was something compelling about how they lived, choices they made, how they spent their money, how they spent their time. It was compelling. It was attractive. And so I put down, we need to ask that question for ourselves individually. Is that true of us? Is that true of us individually? Is that true of our family? Is that, though, also true of our community, our gospel community, the people we live life closely with? When people look in from the outside, are they seeing, are they seeing some of this? Community of people that are sacrificial and generous and loving and gracious and that what has been true of the church when it's been at its best throughout history. And with that, this is kind of just reinforce, reinforcing that last point, but a lot of that comes from a lot of that comes from what we call demonstration of the gospel. This is demonstration and this is tangible. These are the tangible ways we express those things to people in our generosity, in how we spend our money, our time how we reach out to people, the grace we extend to people. Tangible demonstration, okay? Again, we saw Jesus and the disciples do it. Throughout the book of Acts, we see them, again, healing and and serving and feeding and clothing and, and caring well for people, loving people well practically, loving people well tangibly. Okay, because most times that's going to lead to this last one. Without the demonstration, rarely are we going to have an opportunity to talk about Jesus, to talk about the gospel. 
proclamation, speaking, telling, talking about Jesus, talking about the gospel, talking about what this all means is rarely going to come when there's not, when there's not all these things built in prior to it. Okay? And it's part of the problem. Often, often we do try to do this with people or we, we may try to do this with people and what's it do? Okay? Wall goes up. People are turned off. Okay? Because it's not, it doesn't have all this foundation preceding it which allows for that to happen. Okay? And this doesn't need to take like months and months and years or years. It doesn't need to be that. I mean, I've, you know, this actually could happen, all of this could happen like within an hour <laughs> or a couple hours. Okay? So it doesn't need to, and we, and we see that happen also in the Gospels where, um, where we see God changing lives very quickly. But even in those quick, um, even in those quick situations, I believe we see, I, I see, I believe we see this most often built into it. Okay. So let me jump, let me jump off in this last, um, this last one. Because um, I think most of you would agree, especially if you're introverted, that it scares you to death to think about talking about Jesus with a coworker or to talk about Jesus with your aggressive neighbor, okay? It scares you to death, okay? But it shouldn't because it's not up to you again. It's up to the Spirit. And again, if you're praying for them, if you're loving them, demonstrating the gospel to them, the Spirit will open up opportunities for you to bring the truth that He wants you to bring when He wants you to bring it. Okay, so I just, I, well, I'm going to draw, draw kind of a circle which describes, um, describes this, rela- this reality. Okay, we already said, <clears throat> we already said there's this co- consistent serving blessing reality that just needs to be part of all our relationships. Again, with co- co-workers, how could you practically serve and bless them sometime this week. A neighbor, how can you practically serve or bless them this week? Because that's often going to be the door opener <laughs> to go to this next step. Okay? And that's where we get to know, we get to know some of their story. In the context of serving people practically, we have opportunities to get to know people's story, okay? And as we get to know their story, guess what? It usually leads to opportunities for us to talk about our story, right? So it's moving from their, from their story to our story, This is messy, sorry. To God's story. So that's where, that's where spiritual, spiritual things begin to be brought into our relationships, into our conversations. As we get deeper into people's story, 
they get deeper into our story. It just, you just naturally get to God's story if he's part of your story, right? And he is part of our story. So you're going to get there as you do this. And I'm drawing these arrows like this circular because this is always happening in our relationships. This isn't like a one-time thing. You may have a 10-minute conversation with somebody at work where you got 10 minutes more of their story. You ask them two or three questions, you get a little deeper into their story. And the next time over, you know, over coffee or after work, you get a little deeper into your story. And the next time, their story. And the next time, your story. And so it's going deeper and deeper. And eventually, the goal is to be able to clearly proclaim Jesus as the hero of the whole story. And Jesus as the hero of their life and Jesus as the hero of their story. Okay? But that gets there as we, again, work with the Spirit to know how to do these things in our relationships. We need help with this. We can't just try to figure it out. We need the Spirit's help to know how to do this, how to serve and bless people practically. We need the Spirit's help to know how to get deeper into people's stories. And I can tell you a big part of this here is asking questions. As Christians, as ambassadors, as missionaries, we, as Jesus did, again, he was a great question asker. We have got to become uh, good question askers. And especially guys, even more so. Because guys have trouble talking, okay? Ladies can hang out, they can hang out at the park, they can hang out over coffee and conversation just usually flows pretty well, okay? Just more naturally. With guys, not so much. Classic example for me is is a friend that I had back in Tacoma. His name was Chris. Chris um, would talk about basketball or fishing. If you weren't talking about basketball or fishing, silence. Okay? And so I actually tested it one time. I was driving with him in his car, and I just said, I'm going to be quiet for, I'm going to be quiet and see what happens. 15 minutes. I finally had to break the silence because Chris would not say anything, would not ask me anything, silence. So, so when I was with Chris and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours with Chris playing basketball, going fishing, doing some other things with our kids, um, I would literally in an hour and a half's time have to ask him about 20 questions. So I'd ask him a little question, he'd give me a little answer, one or two sentences. And I'd ask him another one, you know, drill a little deeper, and he'd give me a little more, and I'd have to keep drilling and drilling and drilling because he, he was an introverted, quiet guy. So if I'm going to get to know his story, which I did eventually, I got to know a lot of his story, but I had to ask him literally I, dozens and dozens and dozens of questions. <laughs> dozens. But when I did that with Chris, I found out that he didn't have a good relationship with his dad and growing up was hard in a lot of ways with his parents. And so that gave, that led into me being able to talk about my relationship with my dad that wasn't good growing up. Okay. So talking about his story, again, led into my story and eventually led to where I had the opportunity to clearly proclaim Jesus to Chris. Okay, another example of this, running out of time. Um, Our neighbors um, that lived about, their house was super close to our house in Tacoma. We called it the party house, okay? 
Um, and the, these two brothers and one of their girlfriends had a lot of friends. Part of the reason they had a lot of friends is because they had a huge marijuana patch in the back. Okay? It is legal in Washington, but not that legal. Okay? <laughs> they had a little bit more than is legally. Uh, so anyway, but they would talk about football, um, love the Seahawks, kind of their year revolves around fantasy football and the Seahawks. And so they'd talk about football. They'd talk about, you know, marijuana and, you know, friends and, and partying. And then they, they liked food. They loved to grill. They loved meat. And so they would talk about that too. So um, if you would talk about those things, you'd get a lot of conversation going well. Again, um, it would have been a struggle to go deeper into relationship with them if Hannah and I hadn't pursued them like this. Okay? We had to pursue them like this to get beyond football and beyond marijuana and beyond partying with their friends. Okay? We had to do this to get beyond that. Even the show, we've been here in San Diego five weeks. Our kids are playing soccer right now, our two oldest ones. When we show up at practice or the games, people are not pursuing us. People aren't even asking us our names a lot of times. They're not doing that. But we are called to do that. So interesting, just a quick example from yesterday. We're at the soccer game. I had met one of the dads of one of the daughters playing um, two weeks ago, so got to know a bit of his story. I went over to, again, I went, pursued him on the sidelines yesterday because he wasn't coming to me. He was just going to watch the game, hang out there, take his daughter home. That was his plan for the day. So I went to him talked with him for about 10 minutes. Because I was there, Hannah came over and got in the conversation with him. I left, um, and Hannah kept talking to him. Well, in a very short time of, of me and then her pursuing him in this way, again, we're, we're just meeting this guy, you know, in the last few weeks. Um, she, she found out this incredible story. And in about 10, 10 minutes time, she found out this incredible story about his wife almost dying when that daughter that was out there playing soccer that we were watching was born. And so it opened up this incredible story about how his wife almost died and their twins almost died. And Hannah's just, you know, getting... So now that we know that, his name's EJ, got his name, EJ. Now that we know that about EJ, Next time we see him at a game or at a practice, you know, we can push, we can push even deeper. Okay? So the other thing this describes here, and I'll end, I'll end with this. Um, I think this is kind of the relational trajectory. I guess that's a good way to call it. Okay. Yep, it's up there. Beautiful. Nice and clear. But we make, again, whether it's a coworker or a neighbor, we make contact with somebody. We get to know their name. We find out a little bit about them. They would fit in the contact category. Does that make sense? Well, then you spend a little more time with them. You get to know a little more of their story. They, EJ doesn't consider us friends. 
<laughs> okay? We do know a bit of his story, but EJ doesn't consider us friends. He probably would consider us an acquaintance now, okay? We know his name. He knows our names. He's an acquaintance. Well, usually, if we're not pursuing people in this fashion, our relationships stop there. And it's super sad. People will live in a neighborhood for 10, 15, 20 years, and all of their neighbors fit in the acquaintance category. People will work in an office or somewhere in a school, in a, in a law office. They will work there for 5, 10, 15 years. All of their coworkers fit into the acquaintance category because they have not pursued, they have not gone deeper into their, their story. They have not loved and served in a consistent way. And so they, those relationships have stayed there. They have not moved to that stage. And until relationships move here, we usually, usually, usually will not have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. So that's why... Most Christians struggle with talking about Jesus is because they're rarely even in a context or an environment where they could. Does that make sense? Until relationships progress to here, we're probably not going to have the opportunity to talk about spiritual things. Spiritual things, it's just a deep personal thing for people to talk about, right? Right? And if we don't progress in our relationships to friendship stage, people just aren't going to go there with us. They're just not. (laughs) They're not going to open up that way. We're not going to have the opportunity to speak into it that way unless our relationships get there, okay? But then as we do that more and more with more and more people, as we go, with the help of the Spirit informed by the gospel, reminded every day, why, why am I going to work as a missionary? I just, I'm, I just want to go and make some money today. <laughs> I just want to go and get a promotion today. That's why I'm going to work. No, you can do good work. You can make money. You can get a promotion. That's all good. It's not bad. But you're going there for such a bigger, better purpose. You're living in your neighborhood, not just because you got a good house or a good deal or the schools are safe in that area, or whatever, wherever you chose to live, you're not there for those reasons. There is so much bigger, better purpose in where you live. And it's for you to live like this with the people around you. To live as sent ones, to live as ambassadors, because it's who we are. This is true of us. It's part of who he's saved us to be, who he's created us to be, his family on mission as his ambassadors, his sent ones, to make more of those. So the more people are living like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, speaking like Jesus around our neighborhoods, around our cities, in our governments, in our schools, in all of these places, there's more and more Jesus-like people. Going back to the very beginning of what I said today, that was the plan. (laughs) We heard Jesus say it. Go and make, he said, go and make more of me. Go and make more disciples, more people like me that will fill this, that will fill all the nations and will fill all the little corners and crevices and parts of our cities. Okay? That's been his plan from the beginning and it's what he calls us to today. So, so we're going to take, take one minute 
to be quiet. And I want you to just close your eyes and ask the Spirit this week, um, this week, who does He want you? <clears throat> who does He want you to be praying for more? And then who, again, it could be at work, at school, in your neighborhood, who does he want you to pursue better or in this fashion this week? Okay? So we'll take 60 seconds quiet to ask him, and I believe he's going to give you some names and faces. And then as you go throughout the week, the question will just become, okay, how? Spirit, show me, show me how, tell me how, when, where can I do that? How can I do that? I need your help. I know it's not on me, it's on you. You are the missionary spirit. I need your help to do this. So with the people that you told me to do that with, show me, show me how, okay? Let's take that 60 seconds and then I will pray for us and send us to the communion table. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die in our place, to die for our sin, to conquer death so that we will never die. That's such an amazing thought. And we thank you that you've done that for us. And thank you that you've not only saved us for eternity, but you've given us great purpose for these years we get to live here. So please help us as we go from here, even today, people we will spend time with. But tomorrow, as we go to work, school, day off, where, whatever, please help us to, to be faithful, to be fruitful, to be effective in living out our calling, our purpose as your sent ones, as your missionaries, as your ambassadors. And help us to not just do that alone, though we do, do live some life alone or individually, that we also will continue to grow in, in living this way as community, as communities, as families that think and act and pray um, like this, like we've talked about this morning. We want to see our city filled with disciples, every neighborhood, every school, every government office, every business, every coffee shop. We want to see our city filled with more and more people that love Jesus, worship Jesus, live their lives for Jesus, talk about Jesus. So we need your help with all this. Father, thank you we get to go to the table now and we get to remember Jesus. Death and resurrection for us, his body and his blood that was shed for us, for our sin. So we go there now, thanking and worshiping, remembering, and pray that you use it to, to encourage us and motivate us. Um, that we are, we are new, new creatures, we are new creations, that the old is gone, that the new has come. And the body and the blood of Jesus represent that. 
So we thank you for all these things. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.